my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm off my game today. No, you're not. That's true. People are going to have to start making better content. I think we're going to be talking about this for a long time. When you program for everyone, you program for no one. I think it's that we're a purpose-driven platform. Like, we're trying to get to substance. How okay. was that? Are you happy with that? Yeah. This is marketing therapy right now. It, it really is. <laughs> What's up? I'm Laura Carrenti. And I'm Alexa Kristen. Welcome back to Adlandia, coming to you from spring break in sunny Arizona. Hi, Laura. Hi, I miss you. I know. You should be down here. We thought we would use this week to bring in one of our friends from Adweek, Josh Sternberg, who is the tech editor of that trade publication. Come in and talk to us about some of the things um, that he's seeing from his vantage point, not just from a uh, signal in the noise trend perspective, but also ways in which we think that we can bring the industry tighter together to actually move it forward. Yeah, I think that the conversation really is more about what can we do to kind of change the PR, marketing, advertising agency relationship. And I think that a lot of people have been saying what he's saying. He's very clear. And I like his currently dystopian. He likes to say he's a pragmatist and a realist, but I think it's a somewhat like dystopian kind of perspective of 
where we are today in this relationship between the press and and the agency side and the client side. I think that there's a lot to be said in terms of the trades, and I and I'm hoping we talk to him about this. That there's a lot to be said about getting into where the trades are going and the trades publications role in actually driving change in the industry versus just maybe reporting on it. So I'm excited to talk to Josh. We're going to bring him in the studio and we'll be back with him right after this. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. 
And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
Oh, hi, Rachel Zoe here, and we're going back to the Rachel Zoe Project for a very special takeover on my podcast, Climbing in Heels. Come along with me as I take you back to season one to give you all the behind the scenes details and, of course, drama. I'll be joined by some very special guests that'll be helping me break it all down. From award season nightmares to fashion week insanity, you'll get the real stories behind some of the most iconic moments in the show. The Rachel Zoe Project definitely changed my life and career in so many ways. The show definitely captured some of the most amazing moments, but also some of the absolute worst. I made the show for all the fashion lovers out there, and I'm so happy that people still watch it and love it so much. So do not miss this special takeover on Climbing in Heels. It's going to be bananas. Cannot believe I just said that. Listen to Climbing in Heels with Rachel Zoe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're back in the studio with Josh Sternberg, the tech editor of Adweek. Welcome to the show, Josh. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thank you for having me. So, Mr. Josh Sternberg, similar to our friend Sarah Fisher, you've been on kind of both sides of the world. Um, tell us about where you came from, what you've done, both on the paid side and brand and content, and now over at Adweek. What are you doing? Yeah. So, I'm here because I'm a failed musician. <laughs> I didn't know this about you. Aren't, yeah. we, aren't we all? Yeah. I um I was in a rock jazz improv band for a long time and clearly there's not a market for that. So I went to graduate school and really enjoyed academia. So I became a professor for a few years. Then I met a girl, wound up in New York, where it was not economically viable for me to cross two rivers back into New Jersey to continue teaching. So I needed to find a job, and I landed in PR, and it was fine. I got a good understanding of how companies and brands communicate, but at the same time, I still enjoyed writing. Wound up at Digiday writing, covering media, and the ongoing transition that publishers face moving from a legacy print analog world to a fun digital world. How many years ago is that now? Uh, Just to set the stage. Yeah, so that was about, that was six years ago, 2012. Okay. And I was at Digiday for about two and a half years. Got a call from the chief revenue officer at the Washington Post who called me up and said, hey, we're doing this brand studio thing. You've been covering it. You know the playbook of what people are doing. You seem to have a good head on your shoulders. What do you, what do you say? So I said, sure. Um, did that for about a year and a half or so. Then NBC News came calling and wound up doing the same thing at NBC News. And got laid off in March of 2017. And this was on the digital side? Yeah. Doing branded content? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I got laid off, I was thinking, well, I really don't want to go back into the, the business side. All the glitz and glamour of it all. I really missed reporting. I missed being in a newsroom. I missed the intellectual curiosity of reporters. And I ended up at Adweek. So I've been here now for about four months, and it's phenomenal. So you've been covering a lot of what's on everybody's mind right now, the Facebook Google duopoly. And for many of our listeners who obviously are in the industry, this has become uh, mainstream news as opposed to just industry news. Can you give us some background on the state of what's going on with Facebook and Google? Yeah, so I think the one of the f interesting things about all of this is that this is not 
something that happened overnight. And it's not something that is necessarily company-led. Users, advertisers, marketers, we allowed this to happen by continuing to use these products and these websites without really paying attention. Um, you know, when you talk about the duopoly, it's more on the ad revenue side, right? Where 85 or 86 cents of every digital dollar goes to one of those two companies. You know, and we're going to start to see Amazon take a little piece here and there on the ad side. You know, the internet is for all intents and purposes, for a lot of people, Google and Facebook. So that attention, those, those eyeballs are there. So, you know, I'll throw that back to you guys as, you know, media and marketing folks. When you see a plan and you're looking for scale and reach, what are you looking for? It's it's a good question. And, and I think we think about things very strategically in terms of what is the big idea? How do we come across and drive impact and attention in the market? When you hear some statistic, and I'm, don't quote me on this, but it's something over 50% of impressions are viewed by bots, mm. not loading on a page. Um, that's concerning. And that's not something that's new. Those, those are not new facts. Um, and I think we very early decided in some of the work that we've done and, and certainly work that I've done with other clients that we put content in an environment where it wasn't skippable, where it was integrated within other content that was editorially driven. And that's um, work, right? right. Like that's, of course. And I think that's something that we, we tend to forget about, that that doesn't happen by pressing a button and running through a programmatic buy. That's correct. Right? That's many nights of having drinks and dinners with the sales rep. That's many nights of that sales rep trying to figure out, how am I going to get this account to do these things? That's right. And there's often that a disconnect because most people are not most buyers are not like you we have a box to check we have a spreadsheet to fill out and let's just keep the ball moving forward right um and the sales rep they're looking at they've got a quarterly number to hit they're looking at what's in front of their face but that sales rep who's trying to do something big trying to do something creative will often have to walk back those ideas either A, because no one's buying, uh, B, because they have a hard time articulating what that thing could be. And then when it does get sold, the execution is really bad because no one actually thought it through. Correct. And I'm sure that pisses you guys off when that happens. Certainly. And, and I think that's a large part of what's wrong, you know, and why many years ago we walked away from the RFP process at large. We didn't see the value. There was yeah. no value, right? There was no value in it anymore because at the end of the day, one, we weren't looking for off-the-shelf kind of stuff. Right. Um, we also, and this is something that I talk to other client-side folks about all the time, like, you should know what the Washington Post is really good at. And you should know what their roadmap is. And you should know, how, you know what the New York Times is really good at. And what's the differentiator? And you start going to those people specifically because you have an idea, not the other way around. Can I tell and you a funny wait, story? Wait, oh, go ahead. Tell us a story, but I want to ask you a question before we get too far away from it. Yeah. What is the trade media's role in changing this conversation? So there are a couple ways of looking at this. Trade journalism works well 
when you are able to explain something to practitioners who are doing this every day that might have their blinders on. So if I am writing about how a particular company is doing something, so you know, let's say the Washington Post, how the Washington Post is operating their programmatic strategy. It's a process story. It's here's how this one company is doing this one thing and here how you, reader, can take away knowledge of what this company is doing and how you might be able to use those practices in your day-to-day job. Right. Um, There's another side of trade journalism that can shine a light on some of the shady stuff that happens in the industry that we talk about in different settings. We go out for drinks. You guys tell me stuff that you wouldn't tell me when I'm calling to talk about a story. It's in a way... Not us specifically. Not, no, no, yes, not, not you specifically. <laughs> Let's just be clear yes. on this Yes, one. yes. Yeah. You, guys, yeah. you guys do not give me any dirt, ever. <laughs> but, you know, going, going out to drinks with sources, going out to coffee or lunch, and just talking with people, you can find stories of companies doing bad things, people doing bad things. And then you report and you shine a light to hopefully show others, hey, don't do this. This is dumb. Uh, There is a growing trend, not just within trade journalism, um, but within the tangentials of trade journalism. So it doesn't quite seep into the mainstream, but it does get into publications that cover media or advertising on on the side, um, where they look for the salacious and for the dirt for the sake of salaciousness and dirt. So can we park that part there? Because I want to come back to the center. One of the main reasons we created Atlandia was how do we shape the conversation, poke holes and ask questions about legacy models, the traditional way of doing things, when in fact technology and the consumer have moved tenfold away from the way this this industry acts and behaves and and goes to market. Yeah, so... When I got to Adweek, part of my pitch for them to hire me was that I wanted to build a desk that looks at basically how every single decision that the media landscape has made over the last 25 years has been wrong. And it has created problem, which has created more problems, which has created more problems. And that we are at a point with technology becoming better, becoming stronger, becoming faster, where through the lens of trade journalism as educator, as explicator, that we can help brands, publishers, agencies, platforms, even ad tech vendors make better decisions. So that way, when we figure out how to make VR headsets not look as silly as they look and make a use case for people to actually put them on, we're not getting served display ads or pop-ups or banner ads, Sure. right? Um, And I think, to your point, the way that we can do that is to write stories and cover the industry with that perspective of, look, here's what doesn't make sense. Here's what makes sense. Here's what's working for this company and why. And what can you take out of it that you might be able to help with your job? 
So Alexa and I have have talked to obviously Sarah Fisher, who's a reporter, and and Sarah made a really good um, point at the end of the episode talking about how the relationship between the industry and the trade press can afford to get tighter in the sense of shaping those narratives mm-hmm. and helping journalists who might not have been practitioners. You and Sarah bo- were both in interesting situations in that you were a practitioner at one point. How can the industry help? Josh Sternberg, how can the industry help Sarah Fisher um, and others like you or those that have no background in our in what we do tell those stories or explain them in a way that's going to actually create change versus swirl? Yeah. The thing that comes to mind immediately is don't lie. Don't bullshit. Don't obfuscate. Just tell us. It's okay that you don't know something. It's okay that... You tried something and it failed. Not everything is going to be successful. Not everything, actually, pretty much nothing that you do is going to be revolutionary or game-changing or whatever buzzword I get in every single press release or pitch. Be honest. And I think that's where trade journalism can excel is if we focus on the honesty. The trick to that, though, is that a lot of people within the industry, especially on the business side, it's not in their best perspective to, to be honest. I mean, it's so funny because, like, I would never say, like, I, w- I actually wouldn't think about honesty as the first thing but or the most mo- important thing because, to me, that's, like, table stakes, right? right. Um, what I think you're saying that is making me want a different model is, like, how do we start incentivizing a different relationship? Like, how do you incent a different model here? It's interesting, Alex. I'm just thinking over the work that we've done together, and, and I could see your point in terms of the business side coming to you when it's a best-in-class case study that they want to promote. But how it, many pitches have you sent, not maybe you or right. your peers, have sent out to a publisher saying, we want something that's never been done before? Oh, of course. I mean, right? that's like... But don't do that because if you're setting that bar, there's nothing that hasn't never been done before to use multiple negatives. So we had the privilege of having you at our first IRL event at huh, Landia privilege. Live. Served um, over sound. <laughs> served over sound. And um, you and I talked that night. One of the things you said to me that resonated so much, I think you said there's like basically a malaise in the industry that just creates mediocrity. That's my version of what you said. You said it in a much better headline. I just said, you know, the industry is mediocrity by necessity. Yeah. Where the output of what we do is based off of not trying to do the best, but it's to, again, to your point, that, that laziness, that malaise of, all right, I got to check that box. I got to make sure that, all the way up and down the chain that my ass is covered. It's cover your ass syndrome, right? And media on the business side is really good at that. Yeah. I think what's really interesting here, though, is that, like, you're talking about getting briefs that basically say do something that's never been done before. Innovate is not a checkbox. No, but Innovate is not a checkbox. And it's phenomenal that those are the things that you that you guys on the – on the editorial side, see. But it's 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 innovate with a pedestrian eye. When someone asks me, what is the best piece of sponsored content 
I've seen. Branded content. Branded content, <laughs> native advertising content. So that's also part of the problem, right? What is this thing, right? right? But anyway, you know, I always think to the GE Capital bus roadshow that was done with Slate. Roadshow for growth, yeah, I'm bringing it that back. That was Laura. Yeah. That was Laura and Slate. Because yeah. that was, <laughs> that was, it was interesting, right? It was taking the idea of, you know what, we've got this message and we want to take this message to particular people in particular areas. And then we can create all of this editorial content right. as well as sponsored or branded or whatever right. content and do it in a way that makes sense for the reader. The biggest problem that I have with our industry is we don't take off our hat in whatever that hat may be. Yeah. Um, you know, you might call me cynical and I don't take off my reporter's hat, but at the same time, sometimes, you know, I cannot take off my marketer hat. Sure. And on the business side, that's all too prevalent where I've been in meetings where the sales rep and the agency and the brand are thinking in terms of the hat that they're wearing and not their human being hat. And well said. when you put on the stress test of... If you're a normal person and you're waiting in line at any grocery store and you're skimming through or scrolling through a website, are you going to click on that piece of sponsored content? What are you going to click on? Right. And we don't think about that. Or if we do, that doesn't get pushed downstream to 24-year-old media buyer or the media planner. Right. Um, so if you can take off your industry hat and put on your human being hat, I think some of these challenges that the industry faces will just naturally fade away. I was talking to someone last night um, and I'm saying, why can't people see beyond what their business does? It's so fun. And, and what you're saying, I'm taking to like, like a very just basic level. So people say, I am a data company that does X, right? And I see it all the time and I'm like, no, 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 no. You're your capabilities are this, and if you applied it over here, which is something you're not even thinking about, your company becomes totally different. And I think that, so going beyond like the industry hat and the junior media buyer, I also think that we have like really senior, senior level people on the client side who also aren't thinking about what they do really, really well and putting that in places that are just very simply valuable. And that's what you're saying, yeah. right? At the end of the day. I think to your point, there are still too many um, brand marketers um, and agency folks who are evaluating the success of campaigns based on impressions and things that do not reflect the engagement, meaningful engagement and qualification of the audience that they're reaching, right? What does the consumer care about? And these briefs that go out, you see them, they're very one way, very push versus pull in terms of here's my brand story and it needs to show up and needs to target these people. Right. But what happens when it gets to those people? It's it's out of their hands, right? Like it it gets just pushed along. So when I was on the business side and I would get an RFP and it would say, we want these three concepts to come through right. in the, the sponsored content. And I and, and, and my team, we, we put together these, what, what I thought were really smart content strategies and content plans. 
and distribution mechanisms and all of these levers that we can pull to get the content in front of the right people. And invariably, I get no's from buyers and I get no's from brands because I didn't use those three specific words in the content. What? What words? Oh, it, whatever word, you know, a brand. It wasn't verbatim oh, off the brief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, right? got it. So yeah. I, I, I learned that in order to win the account, all I needed to do was parrot back the brief in a semi-cogent way. And then when we would win the account, put together content that was mediocre by necessity. So, so let, because I think this is a really important point as you're talking yeah. about that process that you were at the time willing to pair it back. And I know that you're not the only person who does this to win business because you have a number and hit and that's how you're incentivized on the ad sale side. Well, clearly I didn't do that good of a job. <laughs> By design. By design. Right. Um, but can we talk about just going back to the earlier question how can we as an industry, how can we as agency people and brand marketers work better with the Josh Sternbergs and journalists of the industry to change this conversation? So I think this is part of it, right? Having these types of conversations um, on the record yep. where one of the things that I try to do is talk to as many people as possible up and down the food chain. And I know that if I talk to the CEO and the CMO, I'm going to get a slightly more refined message than if I talk to the VP, than when I talk to the director, than when I talked to the manager. So I try to talk to everybody so I can kind of get a better sense of what is real and what is not. I look at more in terms of war, maybe because... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it. it well, because like, look, the, like the, this, the CEO is the head of the army, right? Sure. And the CEO is getting his or her information from his or her lieutenants, who's getting their information from the grunts on the ground. And the sales reps and, and the agency reps who are going out for dinner and drinks and gene parties and apple picking are the ones in the trenches who are trying to give the information up to their respective generals. And those messages often get conflated, destroyed, um, misconstrued. Can I, can I say something? Of course. If, if marketing became, this is a drum, I beat a lot, but if marketing became more at the center of true business... Do you think that there would be onions to peel back? Do you think there would be stories to spin? Or would you be talking about real shit that's moving real needles, that's changing real consumer relationships, that's doing real things? I don't know. And is that, and is that coming? I don't know. And this is very naive and very stupid, and I understand this. But for me, the, the bottom line is, do you sell shit? Do people buy the product or the service that you are advertising and marketing. And if so, then it's working, right? Yeah, but I'm talking about like marketing, building product. And this is a hard concept, right? When marketing actually starts becoming part of creating the product 
and creating the business versus just going out and messaging that business and bringing in sales. It will always do that. I mean, I, I think of Jobsy and Apple, right? The product was built in conjunction with Jobs thinking that's, of marketing. That's right. Yeah, but he wasn't thinking about marketing. He wasn't thinking about marketing. He was fucking thinking about a product. And right. Was, you know what I mean? That's what, that is what we're talking about. And it's real. And like Steve Jobs, sorry, I'm excited in Arizona. It's only seven in the morning. But like Steve Jobs, it, Steve Jobs wasn't like, I'm going to go and think about marketing. He knew that that was his strong suit. He knew he was a seller, but he wasn't just selling. But he also, if I may, designed with the consumer in mind. He built for the consumer, right. which is if you look at his competition, nobody there is, they're thinking about the utility, but not necessarily the end consumer. Right. They had their tech teams building shit and then they didn't have the right marketers on top of it. And so with the, one of the biggest problems is they like, look at Yahoo tech teams and then separated marketers. Look at Microsoft. Microsoft and Satya has done an amazing job with Microsoft, but I'm going to tell you, like still, tech teams, building things for consumers. That's why some of their Windows products don't work. It's clear. It's clear. But I but I guess that's my, that's my big sticking point. If we start, if marketers stop just thinking about the sell, and Laura and I talk about this all the time, and, the, and start thinking about the context, right? The, and when I talk, yeah. right? This goes back to take off your hat. And I think you guys are in the position to actually change that, right? We're working on it. I mean, it. I'm not. I'm a Well, actually, I would argue that because as we're sitting here, you know, in my head brainstorming and, and Alexa will probably be able to finish the sentence, but I actually see the role. I, I don't think the word journalist in a trade function actually does it justice anymore. I actually see you being the conduit or the liaison between these yes. agencies and these publishers and these brands to start connecting dots that they're not seeing because everybody is so in the rabbit hole. You said having blinders on, focused on the thing that they're selling, that they're making, that they're creating, that they're not leveraging the best practices or lessons learned or failures of their peers to learn from, create, and move forward. I also think they can't see the signals. Like when you are drinking your own bath water, and we all do it to a certain extent, you cannot see the signals and the noise. And that's what we built this platform on. That's what we built this platform on. That's right. On. And that's what I would love to see more folks on our side of the table use you, Josh Sternberg, and, and I use the word use loosely, but partner with you on to, to start thinking about how we, I don't want to, and this is a practice I'm going to take away from this conversation. I'm no longer going to call you to say, hey, I'm doing this insane thing and it's it's not for innovation for innovation's sake. There's a strategic purpose, but I'm going to call you and say, hey, I'm, I'm wondering about this thing. What's going on in the marketplace? Is there a conversation we can have with somebody else that you're talking to? That's exactly right. So the stories that I will look at more closely as a reporter are the stories that someone comes to me and says, I'm not selling a product. I'm not selling the new thing. I'm interested in what I'm seeing, and I need you as that conduit to go find other people that are doing this. That's right. And or when, not doing or it. Or not doing it. it. Or not me, doing tell it. Tell me I'm wrong. Exactly. Tell me I'm wrong. Am and I seeing something here or am I not? One of yeah. the things, one of the things, if I can tout my own company for a second that I really enjoy about Adweek is over the last year and a half or two years, the company has been shaping itself to serve as, as a place for that community. And not to say that there's no skepticism or, you know, you might call it cynicism or negativity. I call it 
pragmatism and realism. Um, <laughs> but the idea that CEOs and CMOs read us to understand what's happening. And when they can connect dots and we can help connect dots, it makes for better decision-making on the business side. At least that's the, the theory. And I'm excited over the, the coming months and years to continue to develop this community because I think the idea of agencies and brands and publishers talking to each other as opposed to pitching each other needs to happen to make better decisions. I think a partnership is happening right now. Love it. <laughs> so it's time. Kill by DIY. And we know that you have the best tweets in the trade pub game. So we're hoping your answers are just as exciting. Um, what did you say? Pragmatic and realist? Yeah. <laughs> pragmatic and realist. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so, Josh, what would you kill in the industry? Oh, God. Everything. <laughs> Burn it all down. Um, Not a cynic. No, no. And I, one of the things that we're working on is to be skeptical but not cynical, okay. which is... That's fair. It's hard to do that. Um, what would I kill? Um, from the reporter's perspective, I would kill press releases. Interesting. There's no reason for a press release. I'm never going to cover your press release because you're sending it to me and you're sending it to 5,000 other people. There's nothing interesting in a press release. That's why it's a press release. What would you buy? What would I buy? I would buy the New York Yankees. Would you buy them as is? Yeah. I love the baby bombers. Yeah. Um, what would you do yourself? I'd, I'd be a musician. I that's. <laughs> <laughs> I hear like tears. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's like I am the most comfortable when I'm on stage with a guitar slinged around my shoulder. So why don't we figure out how we do an Atlandia Ad Week event that you can play at? Done. One of my colleagues, Marty Swant, he, he's also a guitar player. And when I was coming over to Ad Week, we were kind of kicking around the idea of starting a band called the CPMs. I will see myself out on that one. Uh, at the next Served Over Sound. Josh, thank you so much for coming. Where can uh, people call you to partner with you to talk about stories? No phone calls. Do not call me. You can email me. Yes. Josh.Sternberg at adweek.com or you can follow my brain farts on Twitter at, at Josh Sternberg. Josh, thank you so much for coming to Atlandia. Always a pleasure to thank hang you. out with you. So I think Josh poses some interesting challenges to our side of the business. And I think that there's ways to really start thinking about um, partnering with journalists in a way that doesn't just report out. And I think we got this plea from him on press releases and pitch stories, but really thinking about how we can change the narrative and work together to learn from one another. And that really, I think, changes the role that the trade publications play and trade organizations at large in our industry, wouldn't you say? Yeah, 100%. We agree. And I'm like really into this challenge he put out there to marketers and agencies and said, okay, we'll kind of kill the idea and reporting on kind of short-termism and salacious stories if 
marketers and agencies are willing to come and talk more openly about failures and really work with us on concepts and ideas versus things and campaigns, like tactics and executions. Um, and I think that every marketer out there should kind of take that challenge and give Josh a call and say, here, I'll give you something to report on. Let's, let's fucking change the industry. Yeah, I think it's totally the same way we think about RFPing versus integrating and, and collaborating. Yeah. And so um, I think that those are behavioral shifts that the industry is um, beginning to engage in. And I think we can only go up from here. So with that, Big ups for our producer, Cameron Drews. Thanks, Cam. And we have a new producer in the house who is joining our team, another Laura. Welcome to the show, Laura. Um, she's smiling from behind the booth. What am I going to do? Two Lauras. It's such a problem. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's pretty badass. Cam, we love you that we're adding another woman to the to the team. Yeah. It's not you. It's us, Cam. We know. Um, anyhow, thank you to Andy Bowers, Matt Turk, Jacob Weisberg, all our friends and family at Panoply. We will be back in two weeks. Enjoy spring break, Atlandia. Full disclosure, our opinions are our own. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Rachel Zoe here, and we're going back to the Rachel Zoe Project for a very special takeover on my podcast, Climbing in Heels. Come with me as I take you back to season one to give you all the behind the scenes details and drama. I'll be joined by some special guests that'll be helping me share the real stories behind the most iconic moments in the show. So do not miss this special takeover of Climbing in Heels. It's going to be bananas. Listen to Climbing in Heels with Rachel Zoe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.